Um, Ricky, we've got you next. Yeah, I guess so. Okay, I want to talk about a couple things. My name is Ricky Liff, and I don't know, I've done several lectures here. I don't know if anybody was in my lectures or not, but you know, if you do, you remember some of the stuff. But I'm with Westcare Florida, and Westcare is, and I will talk about the population that really hasn't been touched on, and that's, well, Westcare is a substance abuse HIV agency. It's also the first agency in the Tampa Bay area to have a program focusing on counseling, support groups, safe shelters, and education for the transgender population. Prior to Westcare starting their program and getting a grant, actually from the Center for Substance Abuse and Alcohol Treatment in DC, the, generally the social service agencies in Pinellas and Hillsborough simply did not recognize that these were a different group of people that may have slightly different needs. There was no homeless shelter in the entire area, including Pasco, Hillsborough, and Pinellas, that would take in a transgender person if they knew they were transgender until Westcare started taking, you know, open the doors of our Turning Point facility in St. Pete. Now, being uh, transgender myself and having grown up in the 60s, not only am I transsexual, I'm an unreconstructed 60s hardcore radical. <laughs> and, you know, I've pretty well seen it all, I hope. Maybe not, I don't think I've seen it all, but I've been to Mississippi. I've been down here when you still went into places and there were three bathrooms, men, women, and color. So, you know, I can remember that. And one of the things that's so unique about being a transgender student is even if an organization, for instance, pays nominal, nominal lip service to the gay population, oftentimes the transgender population still has hurdles to deal with. For one thing, they can't, oftentimes they can't blend. I mean, sure we all want to, but we all can't. Second of all, a lot of places have to deal with washroom issues. What bathroom do they use? What pronoun do you call them? Oftentimes, unless in the state of Florida, unless you've completed your genital surgery, your document, your driver's license, your social security is your birth gender. So it doesn't matter what you look like. You know, I mean, you could be gorgeous like Britney Spears and still have to carry an M on your driver's license. Or the other way around. <coughs> you could be this big hulking dude with a beard and enough hair, you know, to cover your whole body, but you could still have an F on your documentation and to the organizations that you have to deal with, you're still a woman. So, it does present a little bit different problems and a lot of times the T gets left out. No offense, but one of our speakers said GLB twice. And sometimes they just forget that the T is there. Or for instance, the ENDA bill, ENDA, which is before Congress and the Senate now, they're already talking about leaving off the transgender people because it's just too controversial. Now, to me, when I'm working with somebody that's transgender, that's in a homeless shelter, that's fighting off an addiction, and that may or may not be HIV positive, and our goal and their goal is for them to get clean, get out, get a job. Uh, when there is no protection for discrimination in housing and jobs, 
it's a problem and it sends a message to them that we don't count you don't count and I had the figures, I don't have them with me, of how much Pinellas, I don't know about Hillsborough, how much Pinellas County spends just to keep somebody in our shelter turning point for a month. And, you know, it's a lot of money. And from my perspective with a social service agency, discrimination is expensive. And we all pay for it. When someone can't get a job and can't get a place to live, we all pay for it. Now, what does that say for a college campus? Well, when I was on campus, I was up north. So, you know, I was spared a lot of the more blatant, open signs of discrimination. I went to Carnegie Mellon University in Pittsburgh. I never heard the word fag or gay because those words weren't in the dictionary. They just called you a sissy. You know, when I was in high school, they said, oh, he throws like a girl, you know, that's, you know, that, what else did they say? You know, you throw like a girl, I was picked last for the teams. So, hey, you know, you have to learn to grow up with it. But now the teams, you know, I didn't even know I was wearing your team colors today, but apparently I am. So, that came as quite a shock to come here and find I actually fit in, go Bulls. So, anyways, that's about... You know, all I, you know, all I really need to say, you know, as I said, I grew up as a boy. At some point, I decided to be a girl. That does not mean that being a girl is better. Certainly, in some ways, it isn't. It was just better for me. And, you know, I'm sure being a guy is better for a whole lot of people, especially in the pocketbook and promotions and everything else. But being in social <laughs> services, I wasn't really thinking of either of those things. I mean, you know, when, you're, when you enter a career where there's no money, there's no promotions, you know, you might as well indulge yourself. <laughs> well, anyways, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Ricky, and thank you to all of you for sharing your experiences with all of us. At this point, I want to turn it over to the audience. Thank you for being here today, and we'll open the floor to questions that you may have of the panelists. Oh, come on. Oh, come on. Somebody's got yeah. questions. <laughs> no questions? I'd, I'd actually like to, I'm curious, I hear one person win. Uh, there are two uh, Which one? Uh, <laughs> yes. uh mentioned the word parent, and uh, I was struck with that. Um, we in education talk about parental involvement and the importance of parental involvement. Um, I happen to be a parent of a young woman who is very successful. She also happens to be a lesbian. Um, and, I, and I'm wondering, what is our responsibility as, as school people and as community people to um, to relate to the parents, and to relate to parents of kids who, I just a fag, or that, that's so gay. Uh, parents of, of kids who are gay, who are lesbians, who are on and on and on. Um, okay. What's our responsibility to reach out to these parents? Well, I have to say that in our Gay Straight Alliance clubs, whenever we have an activity, we always tell the students that their parents are invited. We have a field day every year. We have an excess of 250, 300 students that show. And for that activity, parents show up because it's like a picnic and it's outside. And it's one thing that, that parents will come to. When we have the dance and we tell kids your parents are invited, they're like, we're not telling them. <laughs> so, our responsibility 
is to open it up to parents, for parents to know that this is a club in a school, just like the chess club or the science club, and that they're welcome to come in and see what we do and be part of it. The other portion of that when we talk about parents is that we as educators have students who have parents that are GLBT. And we have to be very responsible when it comes to dealing with them too. Um, like I said, we're a cross-section of society and sometimes people say the right things and sometimes they don't. But when Johnny comes to school and Johnny has two mommies, two mommies are good. Two daddies are good. You know, and we have to respect those parents as parents and not as, oh my goodness, Johnny has two mommies. You know, because, because that's our responsibility too honorable position that we all hold, to hold children's lives in our hands, to be able to help change them. But to do that, we have to be present every single day. And that means that when Johnny's two mommies come in, we need to be present with them as two parents. So as far as parental involvement, we'd love it. We just don't always get it. <coughs> Jerome's got something in the back there. There's a question in the back. That same idea, what does, would be the role of the teacher in the middle of, let's say, a family crisis? The teacher, the school, and the student are fine with their coming out or, or their sexual orientation, and the parent is in crisis and, and can't deal with it. How does the school system, do the teachers get involved? So the question is, do the teachers get involved if the parent's in crisis because the child is coming out? And I would say, um, as a blanket statement, no, we don't get involved. That's not our responsibility. If the child has gone to a guidance counselor or a social worker and there are some issues larger than just the parents not feeling good about this, um, the social worker or the psychologist or the guidance counselor might be able to have some kind of conversation. But as a rule, um, we don't get involved when um, heterosexual kids have issues at home unless it's abuse situations. So, um, but you know, every kid has their favorite teacher. So we create those safe spaces for those kids who have come to school with all that baggage to, um, to have a safe space at school, just to be with somebody that would be understanding and maybe help the child work through some of that. But we don't go into the home to, to help with that. that as K-12 public education, that we don't see that that's our role.